This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show. Yes, indeed, this is Charlie Dobbin reporting in from Prince Edward County in my home office. Um happy to say we had a couple of, well, I mean, happy. How happy can you be? Winter's coming, but a couple of real good frosts this past week, which are very, very important when it comes to plants and winter coming. Because when we get that that cold frost, there was a particularly good one on, was that um, either Wednesday night or Thursday night? I guess it was Wednesday night where the frost stayed on the ground for quite a long time uh, the following morning. But that's good because that that's like a, a switch that's turned in the plants. The plants uh, know that winter's coming and they they proceed to really hunker down for winter. And, and that's important. I mean, here, Elliot's been just champing at the bit, wanting to get that final lawn mow done. Uh, he's got the lawn um, mower people coming to our house to do some, you know, winter maintenance and blade sharpening and all that. And he does not want to use the mower after they come. So uh, he's just been, like I say, just, you know, every morning, can I mow today? Can I mow today? Because remember, this this time of year, we do our last mow after the, the the first hard frost, and we make it our shortest mow of the year. So he'll be lowering the blades on the mower, yeah, maybe to two and a half inches, maybe as much as two inches, but no lower than two. So shorter than normal, because normal is around three, three and a half inches, but a little shorter. And the reason we do that is because um, having a shorter lawn as we go into winter, of course, we fall fertilize after that mow. So the winterizer fertilizer goes on and it just makes a difference in the spring. It means that the, the sun can penetrate through to the soil faster when the grass is shorter and warm up and thaw faster in the spring. And of course, that fertilizer helps uh, the lawn get through the winter in good condition. So it's uh, it's ready to go in the spring. And that's important as well. If, you, if you're a lawn person, it's important. Um, I do have a couple of announcements, but let me just share the phone numbers with you because as you know, I want to hear from you. Questions, uh, suggestions, tips, techniques, things that are working for you, things that aren't, love to share and love to hear what's happening at your place. The numbers, put this in your speed dial. Local is 416, local to the GTA, 416-360-0740. And if you're calling from outside the GTA, <clears throat> excuse me, anywhere in Ontario, 866 740 Four zero, uh, so yes, indeed, do do give me a call. Um, you'll notice you're not hearing Frank's voice, and the reason why is because I'm really proud to announce on his behalf that Frank has has you know good for you. 
officially retired. So, yeah, Frank, Frank's been working a long, long, long time. And he's been in radio since he was a teenager. I mean, he's just been from pillar to post uh, on, on the stage, on the screen, on the end of a microphone one way or the other. He's such a performer and I'm going to miss him so much. We all will, I know. But he's not really going anywhere. He's still, he's still hunkered down in his cabin with Shirley up in Newmarket, probably got about three feet of snow right now. But, um, but yeah, good for him. You know, a break is something, a retirement is certainly a, a reward at the end of, of all those years of hard work. So congratulations, Frank. And for those of you that uh, want to hear more about his announcement, his retirement announcement, it's tomorrow night. Sunday night, 7 p.m., Big Band Sunday night. Not sure if you're Big Band Sunday night listeners, but uh, tune in to AM 740 for the beginning, anyway, of BBSN and uh, and listen to Frank's announcement for his future and, and the future for that show as well because he's been doing really, really well on that show and, uh, and working hard. He's been doing a lot of shows, not to mention voicing commercials and everything else. So he's been a busy guy. Um, I noticed... I've been yammering on too long. Let's go to our first announcement from our sponsors. Coming back, I'd like to hear from you. So please, like I say, give me a call, 416-360-0740 or 866-740-4740. And I do have some upcoming events, which I will uh, sort of proceed to share with you right after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. I love that. You've picked the right place for everything floral. Well, you know, we talk about more than just floral, but I do have some great floral stories to share with you as we move into the show. But put these uh, on your calendar this Monday. November the 8th, the Agent Court Garden Club is having a meeting. It's a virtual meeting via Zoom. Everyone is welcome. There's no need to join the club. So if you've got time on your hands and you'd like to learn how to make Christmas arrangements this Monday, November the 8th, via Zoom, um, you sign in at 6.45, meeting starts at 7 uh, the headliner is a woman named Joanna, and she's going to teach you how to make your own Christmas arrangements. Well, we are getting to that time of year, aren't we? Um, and, of course, they'll have the results of the photo contest because the club does run a photo contest. If you'd like to join in on the Zoom meeting, you'll email Cheryl, so C-H-E-R-Y-L dot Penner, P-E-N-N. ER at hotmail.com. And uh, yeah, timing on that is good. It feels like Christmas is kind of coming with that those frosts. And I'd also like to announce um, Edna Caldwell. Thank you. She reminded me to remind reminded me to tell you that the Canadian Rose Society is pleased to announce that Charlie Dobbin, that's me, will be presenting quote <clears throat> gardening in a changing climate. Tuesday, November 23rd, 7 p.m. via Zoom. That's Eastern Standard Time via Zoom. Uh, you can register for this event <clears throat> by going to capital CRS. So that CRS stands for Canadian Rose Society. And then registrar. So CRS registrar 
at bell.net. So again, timely presentation. Anyone can join. And uh, as Edna says, we are looking forward to your presentation and I'm looking forward to presenting it. So that will be on November 23rd. So please join in if you would like to uh, uh, learn some tips and techniques and ideas for gardening in a changing climate. And boy, is that a timely, timely topic. Righto, we've got some callers on the line. It looks to me like Teresa is first up, calling in from Mississauga. Good morning, Teresa. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Good, thank you. Quick question. I have a couple of lavender bushes. They're fairly large. They span about two to two and a half feet across. And they're both mm-hmm. in bloom. They have a lot of beautiful blooms. I don't know what to do. Usually I cut them back by now. Do I just go ahead and cut off the blooms and cut it back? I would. Yeah. I would. Yeah, that's the real rule of thumb with the hardy lavender is cut it back. So you know where the new growth is. This year's growth is quite obvious. It's all soft and tender yeah. compared to last year's growth. Last year's tends to be all kind of woody. And the, I think the rule is a, you cut off about a third of this year's growth, not a third of the whole plant. About a, a third, third of and that year's growth. will mean so take the flowers off, but you know what? Enjoy them. Bring them in the house. Yeah, I do cookies. that. I've had quite a few during the summer. This bush has really given me a lot of flowers this year. It's been a good year for a lot of sun-loving plants, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so I just cut yeah. back a third of the new growth. Correct. Okay, and that's it. And do I cover them? Do I? I, I usually don't cover them. No, no, I would not when they're established. <clears throat> and lavender's a bit challenging to cover at the best of times. Yeah. But once a plant like that's been in the ground for a few years, it has been, yes. Let it be. Pardon? It has been in there quite a few years. Yeah, it's the newly planted tender plants. Like if you just planted that lavender in the last two months, I'd say, yeah, kick some dirt up around the crown, around the base, or uh, some leaves around the base just to. to provide a little bit of extra insulation. And it's not to keep plants warm that we do these things. It's just to help them when we get traditional stupid winter weather in Ontario. I say stupid because it's, you know, like, look, we were minus three two days ago and we're going to be up to 10 or 11 or 12 in two days. So it's those those crazy um, extremes where we go high and low and we'll be doing that for the next few months that is so hard on the plants. And that's where that little bit of insulation helps temper the extreme temperatures. Okay, okay. So I'll just cut back a third of the new growth and that's it and leave it at that. How about in the spring? Do I just leave it alone or do I cut it back some more? The only thing in the spring is you'll look for any deadwood. Always remove the deadwood that you can see in the spring. I see. Now, if I want to trim it back because it's getting really big where the spot is, do I have to dig up the whole plant or can I just uh, trim down to the ground or how do I shrink it back? Oh, you want next spring, not too early in the spring, but, you know, by about May or yeah, mid to late May in Mississauga. I would uh, if you want to shear it back to, to make it a smaller plant. Right. If you say, well, it's got a branch sticking out one side I don't like, then you can you know just prune that one right out. So, no, you can you can shape the plant any way you like, but wait until it starts into active growth before you do that. OK, OK. So I don't need to dig it out and, and cut it in half or anything like that. No. Oh, no, that won't work. No, it's not like a hosta. It's not like you can I, dig and divide. I see. That's, okay. that's its own little plant. You could take cuttings if you wanted to root some cuttings and start more plants. Oh, but otherwise, how do I do that? I just cut it and put it back in the dirt? 
Well, you usually will grow roots before we will grow roots even just in a jar of water. But again, you'll do that in the spring, not now. Oh, interesting. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. I would like to, to do that. Yes. There you go. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. You take care. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Yeah, um, Teresa, that, that's an interesting point, that idea of taking cuttings. I, as many of you know, I teach horticulture at Durham College, and um, I, we went, we just did a lab on what's called asexual propagation. So propagating plants asexually means with pieces of the plant. So we have clones, little clones of the mother. And um, the students have just all handed in their lab yesterday, so that's kind of on my mind. And we did a bunch of cuttings in September from herbs that were in the gardens at Durham College. So sage and thyme and rosemary and lavender. So we did cuttings then, but it's too late now. You wouldn't even try to do cuttings at this point. Um, It's just, again, as I mentioned, top of the show, plants are hunkering down for winter. There's nothing actively growing at this point. Right, oh, 29.21, time to listen to some important messages from our sponsors. Be right back after this to talk with, I can't see, it's Lucilia, it looks like, calling from Guelph. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right. It looks like we've got Lucilia on the line calling in from Guelph. Good morning, Lucilia. Good morning, Charlie. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, great, because I've got you on speaker so that I can make some notes. Um, I am a first-time caller. Oh, um, and I'm going to get the bell. I'll get the bell for next week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, I've been listening to your show for a while, and thank you. You give lots of wonderful information. Um, my question today is about... Um, a Christmas cactus that I inherited uh, from my mom when she passed away in February. Um, I I know you've talked about the cactus uh, before, and um, mine was actually, well, my mom's plant was actually in full bloom um, throughout March and April with uh, pink and red flowers. And then I know from a conversation you had on another show, there are, I actually have two kinds of cactus within the one pot. It's about two feet in diameter, and it's got the one that looks like a crab sort of leaf and the one that's long. And I think you said one is a Christmas and one is a Thanksgiving cactus. Or Easter. Um, yeah. I, 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 Easter. Pardon? Sorry, it's an Easter cactus. There's Easter, oh, Easter. and Christmas. I'm sorry. Okay, so my mistake. Um, yeah. I did have it out on the porch, not in direct sun, and I only brought it in probably about four days ago. It actually had new little um, leaves coming out and I've brought it in now and I'm afraid I don't know how to look after it and obviously it has sentimental value so Mm -hmm. could you please advise what I can do can I divide the two different plants where Mm. should I put it how should I water it all right. So this, these are great questions. And also, um, you know, congratulations on your inheritance. A, a Christmas <laughs> slash Easter cactus is is a great plant to inherit. I have one that my aunt left to me, um, gosh, probably 10 years ago now. So you, they can live for a very, very long time. I've had some of um, the callers over the years send me photographs of Christmas cactus. They're like three feet across. I mean, they're huge or mm-hmm. even bigger, so big that they, it becomes impossible to transplant them because they're just so unwieldy to deal with. But yes. for your purposes, I w- if I were you, I would not separate. I would leave those plants in that pot unless it's really bothering you having the two mixed like that. I think it One sounds kind of cool having the two colors. The other, like the, the different parts. Say that again, they're what? Um, 
Well, the one that looks like a crab claw mm-hmm. doesn't look as perky and healthy. Um, it sort of looks more wilty than the one that's the elongated leaves. Mm-hmm. Well, their requirements are virtually identical. And, of course, their requirements are as much sun as you can give them, particularly in the winter, because, of course, winter, our days are shorter, the sun is much lower in the sky, so the intensity of the sun is much less. So um, in the summer, you're right, get them outside. They do not need to go in full sun outside, but certainly a bright spot, indirect, is fine all summer. Bringing yours in in the last couple of days is perfect, though you could leave a Christmas cactus out or Easter cactus out for a couple of light frosts. They will not die in a light frost. And what you'll find is the shorter days and those cold temperatures will cause the plant to set flower buds. So the buds that will show up on the tips of the leaves. Now, you still may see that after having it out this long and bringing it in. The warmth of our house changes everything for the plant, right? Cool outside. Uh, slow, no growth, just hanging on, bringing inside, the furnace is on, suddenly the plant goes, oh my gosh, it's time to grow, and they start to grow, and the buds, if they're there, will start to elongate and open very quickly. If they're not there, they're likely to show up as well. So, um, So your job right now is give it as much brightness as you can, feel the soil. If the soil feels like a desert, then wait three more days and then water with room temperature water. Um, always feel the soil before you water and always make sure that you wait a couple of days after it feels like a desert because it's better to err on the side of too little water rather than too much. Right. Um, Charlie, you... I do have one of those probes that you put into mm-hmm. the pots to gauge the, the dryness. Mm-hmm. Is that okay to use or you prefer like just putting the finger into the soil? Well, well, the probe is great because it'll go down deeper into the soil than your finger will. Okay. So with your finger, you'll feel the top of the soil and you'll feel it'll start, it'll be a bit spongy and then it'll be a bit crusty and spongy below. And then, you know, a week or two after that, it'll actually feel hard. It'll feel like a, you know, tennis court. So the probe, on the other hand, will tell you what's going on a couple inches below that. And do you want to go to bone dry? Eh, You can, but don't leave it at bone dry for too long. You know, the the, um, moisture meter has wet on one end, dry on the other, and moist in the middle. So you definitely want it down to the dry side before you water water thoroughly when you water uh, meaning make sure that the soil is well watered but that the plant doesn't sit in water after it's been watered give it 10 or 15 minutes pour off any excess i assume the plant is in a pot with drainage holes uh yes it is (laughs) good and if you do want to at the end of the day say no i want to separate these plants i want to enjoy them separately do it but do it in the spring Okay. Uh, you know, All right. April or May. You, okay, hopefully that, both of them will advice. have flowers. Thank you, because I was worried that I would kill this thing. So um, no. I, I appreciate all the advice you can give me. Yeah. The only way you're going to kill that plant is with overwatering, really. It's a very tough plant to kill. It's only water that will do it in. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much. Uh, you always have all the right you. answers. I appreciate it. Perfect. Well, good timing with your call, because I'm sure we have lots of listeners who have the same question you have right there. So, uh, you know, good timing. Thank you for your call. Um, All right. We have waiting on the line patiently, Anna phoning in from Toronto. Good morning, Anna. Oh, good morning. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Good, good. Thanks. I I had called before regarding my mother's uh, uh, apricot tree, but today I'm calling (laughs) on her behalf because she she was given a fig tree mm-hmm. um and she she doesn't know where to put it in a cooler place with light with heat with no heat she doesn't know 
how to take care of it. And she said, mm-hmm. she noticed there's a little bit of um, blooms on it. Like, I think there were some old figs on it. I'm not sure. Hmm. So this is a fruiting fig, like an edible fig. Yes. How big is the is the plant? I would say about um, two, two, three feet. Oh, my. Yeah. Right. So this is where we need Stephen Biggs. He's the guy. He knows everything about figs because he wrote the book, the book oh. called The Fig Pig. So as I, what we know about figs is they're tender plants. They cannot survive outside, just sitting outside. Even planted in the garden, they wouldn't survive. The only way that I know people keep figs alive in the winter outside in Ontario is if you bury the whole plant lying flat down on the, you know, in a trench. So I don't think your mom's going to do that. No, I think I've heard the that. Best, but yeah. Does she have a cool, like a cool basement or a, a bedroom she doesn't use that's not heated or anything like that? She has a the cooling room. But it's probably dark. Yeah. It's, it has a, a little window, but it's very cool. Like there's no insulation. It's right under the stairs. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a root cellar idea. Yeah. Hmm. Does it? Does the plant, you said it looks like it's got a few little figs on it. It has leaves on it, I assume. Yeah, it has leaves on it. Uh, I haven't really, but by her description, I haven't seen it, but, you know, it's um, yeah, about two, three feet, and it, it had some uh, old, like, growth on it, like figs. They were ready to uh, bloom. Yeah, to harvest. to harvest. Right. So the thing is, is that at this late date, any figs that are on it will not um like produce edible figs unless they're like edible today like again days are getting shorter plants know winter's coming they're hunkering down they're not actively growing any longer generally speaking so i'm just trying to channel what steven would say right now you have two options your mom has two options one is put it in a sunny window on the main floor whether it's the living room or the sunroom or whatever treat it like you would a a tropical plant you know water as necessary you know, as a house plant. The yeah. other option would be to force it into semi-dormancy. Of course, the forcing into semi-dormancy can be shocking, and I'm a little hesitant to suggest going into such a dark room. If the cool is good, um, and it will go dormant if you put it in the cool. I don't. I'm not sure. I think if you put it into that cold room, it could. It could survive that whole process because, of course, it's going to have to come out in the spring. Uh, could your mom even do that, you know, handle this tree up and down the stairs? Uh, you mean, like, uh, for how long? Like, for the winter, just leave yes. it down there? Yes. She could leave it down there, but would she water it? And then she could bring it out in the spring. She has, exactly. like, a, a, bal- a veranda. Mm-hmm. She can leave it out or in the back uh, backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, pot. exactly. That's exa- exactly what you do. And you would not water it a lot in the winter, but you would have to keep track of it. Uh, if it's, You wouldn't want it to go bone dry because it could die, but you certainly yeah. don't want to overwater it because it's going to be going dormant in that cool room. And it'll just lose its leaves. It'll drop whatever is on it in the way of little figs, leaves, whatever. Uh, but the, the, the challenge is you don't want to kill it in that process. And so she could go either way. She could go, Mm -hmm. let's make it dormant and bring it out next spring, or let's keep it up in the living room where we can keep an eye on it and water as necessary. Okay. And room temperature is okay. Like if you kept it in the living room. That's right. And then of course it's going to be much, it's not going to be dormant. It's going to be very much trying to grow. So of course she will have to water it on occasion, 
Uh, again, use one of those moisture meters if she doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that Lucilia mentioned in, yeah. when she called in, they're very handy when it comes to a f- big pot like that because okay. you, know, you, you just can't get your finger down six inches. You can feel the surface, mm-hmm. but um, it's challenging to get the watering right. And and interesting that somebody would give your mom a plant like a fig at this time of year because it's yeah. uh, it tend- well, she loves it. And they chat like that was her cousin. And uh, she's a, she, this will be her baby, you know. She, yeah, bad. Yeah, she had ducks in the. She raised ducks for five months, and she had to give them away to the farm recently. And now this will be her, her baby, uh, her, her, her replacement baby for the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, and listen, plan. if this helps, and I'm just looking for Stephen Biggs, S T E V E N. Okay. Uh, Biggs, B-I-G-G-S. He yes. and his daughter, Emma, have been oh, guests yes. a couple of times on oh, the show. Yes, I heard him once. Yes, yes. Yeah, and so he's very accessible on the web. Oh, um, okay. Flipping back. You're probably hearing my papers flipping. Um, <laughs> I'm very old school. I write everything down. That right, so too. Stephen can be contacted through a website that's one word, foodgardenlife.com. So one word, foodgardenlife.com. So feel free to also send that question in to uh, to Stephen. I'm sure he'd be happy, happy to uh, to share his. He's a he's been growing figs for years and years, and he's tried so many different methods. He lives in North York, so he's you know he could be your neighbor for all I know, and. uh, um, he's, you know, he's really good at, at coming up with best best ways around puzzles when it comes to figs. Mm, and it is a puzzle. It'll be a nice yeah. project. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, my well, mom thanks you. She said, you know, I said, are you going to call? Are you going to call Charlie? And I'm like, okay, I have to call whether I'm nervous <laughs> or not. But, um, yeah, she thanks you. And I recommended you to a friend. She had a problem with a kale lily. She was wondering. I said, well, call or email Charlie yeah. Dobbin, she looked you up, and she may may do that. But yeah, thank Thanks you very so. much. <laughs> ah, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I want to keep you all the best to you, and best of luck to Frank. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think Frank's a happy guy. He's dancing, <laughs> dancing in the rainbow under his retirement rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for him. Um, okay. Thank you for calling, and and you brought up the subject of email. So why don't I take this opportunity to suggest? Okay. Anybody who is worried, you know, has having trouble getting in on the phone lines, yes. you can email me. Great. Thank you, and bye bye, Anna. Um, my first initial C, C for Charlie, so C dot Dobbin, D O B B I N, so C dot Dobbin at MZ Media. Dot com. That is one way to get a hold of me through the station. Um, and remember as well, the show is podcast. So you, it, you know, if you if you're listening and you're saying, "Oh, that's good information," but I didn't get all the details. Remember, you can listen back afterwards. The show is typically uh, up on AM 740 and available to be. It's basically recorded when we say podcast. So. The show is recorded. You can listen to the recording, which is also known as a podcast, uh, starting, I believe, on Tuesday, maybe even Monday afternoon, just by going to AM740, the the website, and there you'll find just there's tabs across the top, and one says podcasts, go to podcast, go to the garden show, and they're all there listed by date. So if there's been a show uh, in the past or or today where you're saying that's just too much information for me to write down you can always re-listen and it, you know it can be useful to to listen back just uh to to hear 
those those details that can happen so fast and it's like oh, i missed all that um also let me just quickly mention the phone numbers because i do there are a couple of lines open and i'm certainly happy to hear from you live and direct here from i'm in prince edward county carlos is in liberty village so we're in we're enabling the tech to make sure that you can get through to us if you're in the gta the local number is 416-360-0740. And if you're outside the GTA, like in my area, for example, you would be calling 866-740-4740. Exactly. And, um, and I, uh, yeah, I've got a few, uh, I've got some emails <clears throat> I could share with you. Maybe I'll spend one minute on an email before we go to our second last break. Uh, Linda Moore sent a note uh, <clears throat> to her and her husband, I believe, built a raised garden. So four foot by eight foot, about four feet off the ground. The bed is six to seven inches deep. So it sounds like the posts are up off the ground. Then they've built like a, a platform uh, that's about seven or eight. I think it ended up being even more like 12 inches deep, but four by eight on legs. And, uh, and she's just wondered about preparing it for winter because this was a new, a new build this past uh, growing season. I think she was worried that if too much snow built up, it might collapse. So she thought she'd put a plastic sheet over it and then the snow would be more likely to sweep off the top and not get all kinds of weight from the snow. Um, I would say you could do either. I'm just sealing it up. You are likely to get a lot of mildew growing in there, a lot of fungus. So if you are going to seal it up, make sure you've got some air holes happening. Uh, Linda was writing to me from East Garafraxa, so near just west of Orangeville, and they do get quite a bit of snow there. So you may have to go out and sweep the snow off uh, if you're worried about the weight aspect. But um, uh, I would try and leave it as open as possible just to make sure you've got that it'll it'll heat up faster in the spring and also you'll avoid a lot of mildew and fungal growth inside that raised bed but gotta love raised beds they are make gardening so much easier as we get a little bit older and uh, we can certainly put great soil into them so we don't have to struggle with our native soil all right on that note let's be off to listen to some important sponsors and be right back valerie is waiting on the line calling in from scarborough right after this fur and feathers and bugs of all size there's more going on in the garden than you realize should small creatures become a big problem then you've got the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio yes indeed small creatures become a big problem i'm going to tell you a story a sweet story about a fox that has adopted us. Funny how I keep getting adopted by small creatures. Uh, yeah, young female fox has decided to live in our backyard, which could be a really good thing because this is one hungry fox and she's eating bugs like crazy. So when those Japanese beetles roll in, I'm ready to go because I've got my pest control little uh, furry creature out there looking after some of the, the pests. But first, I guess we'll have to get through the winter. I'm not too worried about bugs just now. All right, Valerie is uh, waiting patiently on the line. Good morning, Valerie. I want to thank you for a beautiful show. Thank you. Lots of information and I'm a long time listener and a second time caller. (laughs) My question is my uh, bulbs, uh, dahlia bulbs. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of, I got dug them up 
and they have tripled in size. Mm-hmm. But I want, I'm out of peat moss. And mm-hmm. I went to Home Depot, I went to a nursery, I can't get peat moss anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm stuck. I have no. ready to, to put away for the winter. Right. And I have no peat moss. What okay, am I going so to do? Here's a suggestion. Instead of using peat moss, because you're right, it does tend to be limited availability. When you're traveling around to the, the Home Depots or the Canadian Tires uh, at this time of year, because uh, you are in Scarborough, so you do have a couple of garden centers not that far maybe as well, but there is something out there that is a peat moss substitute called CORE. C-O-I-R. C-O-I-R. C-O-R? C-O-I-R. C-O-I-R. So core is a byproduct of the coconut industry. So as you know, the coconuts that we, the coconut milk and the coconut fruit is a round nut. But that round nut is covered with a husk. So that husk is what core is made out of. Uh-huh. And it, it's shredded up. It acts very similar to peat moss in the sense that it will hold moisture. Uh, it is inert. It has no, um, it's sterile. It has no nutritional value. Uh, it's clean. It has no pests or diseases. And it's affordable. So I would be inclined to use core as a peat moss substitute for your dahlia bulbs. Or failing that, if for some, and the thing about core is you'll find it in a little brick sometimes, and it's really, really compressed into literally the size of a, a brick that our houses oh, are built yeah. out of. Mm-hmm. And when you take it home, you put it in a, a big Rubbermaid or whatever kind of tub, add water, give it a, an hour or so, and it blows up to five times that size or ten times that size. So it does really, really absorb a lot of moisture. Yeah, but and what about would, the wetness? You know, I... Right. Well, that's your issue is that you'd have to squeeze it out and then you'd have to give it a couple of days to dry it down. The other option would be to use just fresh, unopened bags of potting soil. So any good quality potting or soilless mix you mean is triple also... Mix? Charlie, triple mix will make the no, no, plants no. start to grow again. No, 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 potting soil. No, not triple mix, uh, oh, like oh, a bag, okay. sealed bag. Because you want sterile. It's got to be sterile. Yeah. Clean. You don't put your dahlias into any kind of garden soil or triple mix, anything that might have life, bacteria, fungal, spores. You want clean. And that's why we use peat moss because peat moss is very clean and sterile. Right. So that's the main thing. is you. And, of course, the dahlias don't want to be in pure, dry substrate anyway. You do need to add some moisture. You add some dampness, not not soggy, but some dampness. To otherwise, they're just going to shrivel up. Yeah, what I do is I I got I have about twenty of them, and mm. I wash them all the so- with a very dull knife. Take all the soil off between the, the rain the what do you call them the rainworms or what you call yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. They, they're hunkered down for the winter already, and. Yeah. Uh, and I wash everything off. I dry them, let them dry for a couple of days, and then I want to and want to put them into peat moss, right? Mm-hmm. And they do not shrink. They in the peat moss, they remain the way I put them in now. Okay, and so and that's just dry peat moss. Dry, yes, very dry. Oh. I never watered them. I got okay. them for about I, the first ones I bought were tiny, tiny. Yeah. And now I have an abundance. <laughs> uh, they are. Um, they don't shrivel. 
with the peat moss, and I so, don't water them at all, all winter, okay. not a drop and, of water, and they come right, out beautiful. That, they you, get shoots by March or April, sure. and and start potting them up. Do you? Um, but you must have them in a cool temperature. Yes. You have a cool. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That, Makes a big difference. Okay, so then forget the core idea. Uh, just get some unopened, clean, fresh bags of potting soil. Okay. Though it won't say potting soil. It'll say soilless mix. So okay. soilless mix is peat-based. Peat okay. moss is the it, 99% of what's in that bag is peat moss. And there's a little bit of vermiculite, a little bit of perlite. Just use that as a peat moss substitute. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. That's good. I'm and <laughs> and totally it's, it's packed out. dry. So it will be dry, but it's nice and loose. So just like your peat moss, you can very easily, you know, tuck the uh, dahlia tubers down into it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Good Charlie. stuff. Thank you. And, Thanks for calling. And, um, and welcome. Don't be a stranger, like Frank and I used to say. Coffee's always on. <laughs> um, yeah, first-time callers. I will be. My plan is to be in the studio next Saturday, so I'll be in studio live and direct from Liberty Village. Uh, and uh, Frank left the bell for me. The the famous Salvation Army. It's like a little tiny replica of the big bells that they use for uh, fundraising for the Salvation Army. So I will get that bell and I will carry it on my person at all times so that on Saturdays when first-time callers call in, we can make a big fuss because we do like to fuss about first-time callers. It's always it's always exciting. Last uh, uh, last break right now. It's not really a break. I'm not going anywhere, but last chance for our sponsors to share some important information. And then right after that, we'll be back. We've got lots of callers, so let's get to it. And we'll be back for Leslie, who's calling in, uh, calling in from Oshawa. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we are here and listening to Leslie. Good morning, Leslie. What's going on at your place? Hi, good morning. It's very nice to take my call. Thank you. I have um, eight orchids, and they're doing wonderfully. Um, I bought three very small ones at a grocery store in the summertime, and I'm thinking that they need to be transplanted, but they're in a... it, It feels like a sponge. Uh, okay, so sorry, what was the plant again? Um, orchid. Oh, sorry, speaking to you, uh, your phone just broke up a tiny bit there. Three little plants from Loblaws. Uh, yes, that's okay, Carlos. Um, yeah, so sorry, what were the three plants? Uh, y- yes, they're um, orchids. Oh, orchids. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. three little orchids and they're in sponge. Yes, indeed. Orchids are not grown in soil. Orchids naturally uh, do not are not terrestrial plants, right? Terrestrial plants grow down at ground level in the soil. Orchids grow up in trees and where they land. Uh, and that's what makes one of the things that makes them so cool. So if you're going to transplant them, there are very specific supplies. Probably what you have are what are called moth orchids. That common name is moth orchid or phalaenopsis. 
and they can be grown in bark. So orchid bark, which is a mixture of fur and different barks, uh, or they can be grown in, um, yeah, oh, let's see, they've got different sort of, like you say, spongy sort of uh, substrates. Um, main thing is they have to be grown in a pot with incredibly good drainage. We never want to sit our orchids in lots and lots of water. So what I would do is you are calling from Oshawa. So I would probably go to Sheridan Nurseries there in Whitby, unless there's yeah. a garden center closer that might have supplies and get yourself. You just want some slightly bigger pots. There are specific orchid pots, but what I'll often use is just a clay pot, but not too much bigger. If you were in tiny, tiny two or three inch pots, you're going to move up to a four or a five inch pot, unless for some reason you want to put all three of them together. But again, you're still only going to go to maybe a seven inch pot if you wanted to put them all together. Either way, um, I would get them into a slightly bigger pot. No, if you don't have to do it now, wait. I would wait if you can. And you could even wait until fe- Valentine's Day, February, when the Southern Ontario Orchid Society has its big show. And uh, assuming they're having the big show this this <laughs> Valentine's Day in Toronto, and you can get every orchid supply you ever would ever need, not to mention a lot of expertise and advice. So right. I would hold off if you can. Okay. And this isn't the optimal. <laughs> Sorry? It sounds good to me. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's not optimal to transplant plants now. Plants are hunkering down and it's stressful to transplant. So we try to minimize the stress right now. We try to just let them slowly go into their semi-dormant slowdown period. And in the spring, when they're all perky and waking up, then we can say, all right, let's transplant, let's fertilize, let's let's really make some things happen. So um, yeah, that would be my suggestion. And um, I'll, we'll talk more about orchids as we get into the winter because I'm sure lots more callers will come in on that. Uh, and I'm just scribbling a note to myself. All right. Thanks so much for your call, Leslie. And let's see, is Diane still waiting for us? See if we can fit in your question, Diane, calling us yeah, from Dorchester. I'll make it real fast. You mentioned about winter fertilizer after the last cut. What mm-hmm. are the numbers that I should be looking for on the bag for the winter fertilizer? Um, off the top of my head, there aren't that many manufacturers. Probably uh, Scott's, which will be Turf Builder, has one out. For sure, they have one out there. Seems to me the bag is red or kind of a reddish-brown color. It will say right on it, winterizer fertilizer or fall fertilizer. If you look at the three numbers, the first number, the nitrogen, will be lower than what you're used to. We put high nitrogen in the spring and low nitrogen in the fall. Then as you move across... The phosphorus is, you know, nothing major either. What you'll notice, though, is the third number on a fall fertilizer, the potassium, is quite a bit higher than the spring fertilizer. So the nitrogen and potassium reverse between spring and fall. Potassium is a really important um, essential element which helps all plants uh, get through the the vigor the sort of the rigors of winter uh it's a really important element for for color for flavor for all-around health and for sustaining some of the stresses of winter so when it comes to our lawns of course we do put that fall fertilizer on and the lawn will be perky and ready to go in the spring when the snow melts so it's essential then we uh top dressed our uh grass in the backyard and we didn't fertilize it we were because we did it in september so now it would be safe to do it yeah absolutely absolutely okay. and you know what you'll be happy you did it you'll, okay. you'll have Thank the you best so ever okay yeah. have a good 
Thank you. Thanks so much for calling. Oh, my goodness. What a great show. And where did it go? Uh, you know, where did the hour go? Okay. Um, you know what, Sharon? Thank you very much for waiting all this time, but we will not be able to get fit you in. We're out of racetrack, as Frank would say. But let's uh, let's see if Sharon will call early next week, because you know what the mantra is: call early, call often. One question per caller. And uh, so, Sharon, do I've, I've, we had John hold, and maybe we can have you first up next week if you call in early enough. We will prioritize your question um, quickly. Quick question from King Kim Akbar, and I know others of you have this question. She bought a perennial plant, it's a hibiscus, in a pot. She thinks she might be moving over the winter, and she's wondering, what do I do? Can I leave it in the pot, or do I have to plant it in the ground? And she's writing from Brampton. The answer is, never leave pots above ground if you expect the plant to survive the winter. They might, but they might not. It's very, it's much colder above ground than in the ground. If you think you're gonna move, or if you're not sure where that plant's going ultimately, leave it in its pot, but bury the pot. You can always, uh, you know, get it out of the ground if you need to in the middle of winter, boil some water, thaw the soil, leverage it out of the ground and take it with you when you move. But I would get it in the ground, Um, super important. There we go. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Carlos, for all your help. I will be back next week in the studio, live and direct from Liberty Village. This is Charlie Dobbin and The Garden Show. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.